This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 237 of the one and only Dublin Game. <laughs> My name is Tim, and joining me as always, as we are finally back after a bit of a break, hiatus, whatever you want to call it, but we're back now, and of course, I can't do this without Dublin Dane himself. Dane, how's it going, boy? It's going good, Tim. Um, been a while since we've talked, since we've done this, since we've this podcast so um i'm ex- and a lot has happened we got another kenobi trailer mm-hmm. last round in five you saw dr strange and the mirrors of madness or whatever it's called Dreams not quite of the title but or, close <laughs> wait don't tell me don't tell me tim i gotta guess it okay i saw it i just i i saw the post the posters in my head tim i can't <laughs> The mysteries of madness? No. No. <laughs> the uh, miracles of man? No. <laughs> Those aren't bad titles, by the way. The one yeah. you're saying. Ah, <laughs> uh, the multiverse of madness. There you go. There of madness. There, that's it. You got it right. Okay, good. Oh. I knew I saw that poster, Tim. I knew <laughs> I saw that poster repeatedly. <laughs> I, I do like so, the yeah. mirrors of madness. That that has a nice. Picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta fight. Uh, you, you gotta fight your your own image. <laughs> well, in or, Doctor Strange, they established the mirror dimension, so that would be a title that could apply to the Doctor yeah. Strange world. So <laughs> it's not too far out of reach. You gotta fight yourself, which <laughs> it's funny because uh, I can't remember who it was, but I was talking with somebody and then. They were like, uh, uh, we were talking about Star Wars, and then they thought the Clone Wars was <laughs> was uh, something very like he, was a war where you had to fight your own clone. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, before Episode Two, I mean, the Clone Wars was up to your imagination, really. It could have yeah. been that could have been it for you <laughs> if you were just thinking about possibilities <laughs> of what the Clone Wars could have been. So. Like, are you fighting yourself? Did they make clones of yourself? Or <laughs> did they make clones? Of... <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, it's good to be back, like you said. 
lot of stuff since we last recorded. Um, I know just life stuff and certain circumstances getting in the way of recording normally on our schedule and certain things coming up out of the blue, but we're back now. Excited to talk about all this stuff. And Dane, I know it's technically it already passed, but I don't think we can start the episode any other way than to acknowledge and officially celebrate our 10 year anniversary of doing the Bat Fans podcast. Let me blow your party favors, your confetti, your balloons, your blowers, clap your hands, whatever you want to do. Um, I think for this maybe one time, <laughs> we can, no, maybe our second time, because I think we did this when we finished our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentaries. So we could just give ourselves a little pat on the back right here and <laughs> sticking around 10 years doing this podcast together. And I know we've had, we started out with four hosts, with Gary and PJ and um, it would have been awesome if we could have continued all this together um, for the 10 years and then also with Rob and Terrence. Um, but doing pretty much almost every episode for 10 years with you and me, Dane, almost on every one. There's probably a few mixed in where we're not on it. <laughs> but um, I will just say it's been an honor and a privilege doing this show with you for the past 10 years. So when we started back in 2012, didn't know how long it would last couple of years five i don't know but to say we've been doing this for a decade is something i'm proud of so dane congratulations oh tim you're gonna make me cry yeah it's gonna be an emotional episode <laughs> preparing you right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like uh, well i mean if you consider our time before we, we we started on the batman universe we've been podcasting for well over 10 years right yeah together because technically, yeah. 2011 is when we first started podcasting together over on Gotham Nights Online. So, yeah, that's been over 10. Really? Yep. Wow. So, it's been... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a long time. That's a long time every other Saturday <laughs> to be uh, podcasting. Yeah. No, yeah. But um, April... It was like the end of April. Now, I'm, I can't remember the exact date our first episode premiered. But it was like April... Like I want to say like around the 20th, so towards the end of April when our first episode premiered, which was kind of just of an introductory episode. And a couple, I think about two weeks ago when we were planning to record on our normal schedule, I went back and listened to that very first episode. Not all of it, just kind of scanned through, just kind of see what it was like. And it was just kind of fun to go back to that time period of where things were at in the Batman and this DC fandom, just being excited for the Dark Knight Rises being the main thing and still kind of coming fresh off the launch of the new 52 and being excited about those new books. And one thing I forgot about was in that episode where how we were all just kind of sharing our Batman origin story and telling us how we got into the character and all that type of stuff. And the one I forgot about, Dane, was your story and what you said and how kind of the origins of your batman fandom and it was i believe if i remember right it was how you, you mentioned there was the i believe it was the audio book or audio dramas of uh was it nightfall or azarel was like being stuck in your like dad's car like tape player and it just kept playing yeah. all the time. <laughs> and that was kind yeah. of your early genesis. Was Am I accurate on that? Or am I mixing the titles of what you're actually listening to? <laughs> yeah, it was the Nightfall audio. It wasn't. 
it wasn't an audio book it audio drama the audio you know, drama. Like, okay yeah yeah it was an audio drama it was stuck in there we got it stuck in there for some reason <laughs> um and my history with stuck uh cassette tapes in my cars or in cars that i've ridden in when i was a kid and when i drove <laughs> when i started driving is uh very extensive <laughs> so yeah uh yeah that that, that was it um well, I'm, t- I, I'm, I'm glad you went back because i totally forgot about that right me too yeah <laughs> i know my origin story is pretty boring compared to that just my standard go-to i can't remember a time where i wasn't a batman fan <laughs> and i don't know exactly what got me into it decided it was always there but you you have a great very fun amusing origin story for your <laughs> Batman yeah. fandom. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, the only reason why I found the Batman universe, really, or the, the, the podcast network was because this was like in the early days of iTunes. Um, I, th- I think Batman universe had been around for like two years at that point. And um, it, I, I was looking for the, the Prince Batman soundtrack mm-hmm. on iTunes. <laughs> I, I I scrolled down and I was like, hey, well, what a what is a podcast? Yeah, right. <laughs> and D, um, uh, what is this Batman universe thing? That's how I that's how I found the Batman universe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just looking back on again on that first episode, man, we hit. We tried to review a lot of books back then, <laughs> all in one episode. It was just pretty much anything with the Batman title in a comic book. We like we had to somehow talk about reviewing. It was just remembering back to those days where we we're just trying so hard to cover everything and reading some stuff that obviously was good where you have that many to talk about, gonna be hit and miss, <laughs> especially during that <laughs> period of the new fifty two. But just thinking about just how it started and kind of how it's evolved into what we're doing now, just be more of a fan base genre, a podcast of not just limiting ourselves to Batman, but covering all the geeky stuff that we're into and talking about. It's been a lot of fun over the last 10 years. So yeah, just definitely had to acknowledge that milestone for our little show that could. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was the original concept of the show was not only to talk about, to have an ADD sort of conversation about everything, um, not really so much focus on on Batman, you know. And just covering, making sure we get all the news stories out there, just kind of following a yeah. formula like that. So yeah, we did want it to be, again, because we definitely, the first few started off just, you know, strictly Batman, DC stuff, and kind of limiting ourselves to that. And to be honest, Dane, if, Dane, if I remember right, I think what kind of, propelled us into talking more outside of just Batman and DC fandom was the Star Wars announced when Disney acquiring Star Wars and Lucasfilm. Oh, right. I think that was kind of like our first off-brand topic <laughs> that we did. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm looking at my folder of like all our episode art <laughs> that uh, we accumulated <laughs> and created over the years. I remember the first one that was not Batman related was episode 16 which is an image of Darth Vader and Batman in a lightsaber duel. And I believe that was our first one where we just kind of talked about the Lucasfilm acquisition by Disney and the future of Star Wars. And then kind of going from there, just talking about 
that we did talk more Star Wars and just incorporating all the other fandom and genre stuff that we like to over the years. But I believe that was our first one, episode 16. And that was what, 2012? Yeah, it was definitely yeah. the end of 2012. Yeah. Oh. Wow. So, so I, yeah, I, I guess it was Star Wars that turned this podcast into, into this. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if you like the transformation, you can thank Star Wars. If you hate what we've become over the last 10 years, you can blame Star Wars. <laughs> but hopefully that is not the case. If you hate what we've become. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, not a very man. comic book superhero dialogue right there, right? Uh, I, I hate what we've become. <laughs> Whatever this is. Whatever this mess is. I guess that could be our new tagline. Because I remember our first tagline, I think that Terrence, when he was, I believe, like just as a listener, I think before he came on as a co-host, or maybe it was right when he came on, but it was I just loved his tagline that he created for us for the Bat Fans podcast. If you're listening to a Batman podcast, it's probably not this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that. Oh man, that's a great tag. We, we gotta bring that back to like, we we gotta reintroduce this show as yeah. Uh, Dublin Dane, if you're listening to that <laughs> podcast, it probably isn't this one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but now I was thinking if we should just add Dublin Dane, we've hate what we've become now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Dublin uh, Dane, yeah. if you're listening to a Batman podcast, it's not this one, and we hate what we've become. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a super long title. <laughs> but yeah, just add a colon on there, you know? <laughs> It, it'll be our, you know, Star Wars episode two, colon, the Attack of the Clones. Right? <laughs> well, there is no the Attack of the Clones. It's just oh, Attack of the Clones. sorry. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> sorry, Tim. But yeah, I'm glad you I, I'm glad you brought up, like, how we were, like, reviewing all those books and stuff. And, like, we, we had to review every book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird how, like, I don't know podcasting philosophy has changed over over the years where now it's like yeah we don't have to hit that i mean like like whatever like yeah like like, like you have this lackadaisical sort of mentality now mm. where it's like uh if we if we didn't hit it we didn't hit it you know and let's just talk about what we're into right now exactly moment, you know <laughs> yeah because it kind of it just felt like like you don't want it to be where it feels like a job or a chore that you have sure. to do this type thing and do the things even if you don't want you're not enjoying this particular book but you have to and like you said just having that more relaxed fun aspect to do it because that's what it should be talking about what you want to talk about and not just feeling almost like especially back then if you're starting new just feel like you want to make a name for your show and your podcast and making sure you're covering everything you want to be the one-stop shop that has everything covered type basis and you feel you have to do that but it's definitely more fun and relaxing to just to do an episode and talk about the stuff you actually want to talk about and have the discussions you're into and invested in. And so it's it's definitely been a change for the better, I would definitely say. Yeah. Yeah. And keep it loosey goosey. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's another bit of trivia for you, Dane. Do you remember our very first rating scale? Uh I do. Because you you brought it up recently, did uh, I? And, and by recently, I say within the last year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Neil Adams Batman, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the finger hair on uh, Neil Adams Batman, right? For Close. us. It was, oh, okay. I thought it was the knuckle hair too, but it was yeah. Batman Odyssey chess hair. Oh, chess hair. I thought we did knuckle hair. <laughs> so did that I. Was I that very was very bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> our very first rating scale. But I know since we don't really review as much as the comics anymore, we haven't done our rating scale, but we will on this one because we do have a comic to talk about. So <laughs> we'll have to uh, think of some. Uh, to get back into those fun categories that we've had with our rating skills. And boy, I'm sure there were some doozy ones over the course of these 10 years. <laughs> I can't remember them all, but that would be fun to go back just to check every episode and rank our rating scales. Maybe do a top five <laughs> or top 10 of our rating scales. Yeah. But I don't know if I'll have the time <laughs> to go back and look yeah. at every episode and uh, try to remember all the ones we did. Speaking of comics, you know what I started reading to? What's that? Uh, Usagi Ojimbo. Oh, nice. Well, I I am in the beginning a little of the uh, sort of omnibus edition. Um, I I'm in like the third story arc, even though it's like all connect, all connected into one big one big storyline. Um, okay. But so far it has. Um, I wouldn't think it think it would. Um, a story about a, a rabbit that is a samurai doesn't sound too appealing, right? But yeah, it does. It's it's the artwork. It's that's really working. It's the characters. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's it's weird how it works. You know, like from the outside looking in, it's it's sort of like or it, it it's sort of like ah oh, man like that doesn't look good at all. But then you read, you read it and then it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is actually good. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I've been enjoying it. That's good. Cause yeah, it's something I definitely want to check out. I mean, like you just mentioned just the artwork and design of Usagi Ujimbo is classic now. I mean, the, the drawings and designs by Stan Sakai, they're so recognizable. And of course, I assume it's the same for you too, but I only first <laughs> discovered and found out about Usagi Ujimbo too, Ninja Turtles and the crossovers that they had, even back in the old original animated series where I first heard of the character and had his action figure and didn't find out till later how it was kind of totally, a, he wasn't part of the it's Ninja true. Turtles franchise, yeah. but it was his own thing <laughs> later on. Um, yeah. And they just came out with a Netflix series too that I want to check out. It looks, the animation style is CG 3D, but uh, the character designs are a little different. Um, I kind of wished it was just kind of stuck to the classic look and have it be more in line to how he looks in the comics. But at the same time, too, I still want to check it out and see um, how they do um, their adaption of that because uh, the potential is there for a cool series with the Usagi Ujimbo universe and the characters that I've seen kind of show up in some of the Ninja Turtle crossovers that he has been a part of and one is think it could be cool to sustain its own series so i want definitely want to check that out as well yeah you you hit it right on the head uh because of because of of the uh ninja turtles is the only reason why i know or i wanted to read um usagi jimbo and like uh it, it it was just perfect timing because the um the the books were on sale on uh 
on Comixology. I was like, you know what? I'll I'll just pick up the first four omnibus editions and check them out. And I have been, again, like I said, surprised. Um, if you really like the uh, the IDW Turtles, you're you're, you're gonna like uh, Usagi Jimbo. Yeah, I I I think that's fair to say. Cool. Yeah, I definitely gotta. Check that out sooner rather than later. <laughs> Move it higher yeah. up on my list of comic stories that I should read. Oh, and the, that that Netflix show, that's about his son. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, in the future. See, well, yeah. Okay, see, I, that makes total sense because yeah. that's why it looks different. And honestly, I knew they were making an animated series, but it snuck up on me that it's already out. I was like, wow, okay, this is, <laughs> I didn't know it was out already. I don't remember seeing a trailer for it. When I saw it, like, oh, this looks different than I expected, but... Okay, that makes total sense. Okay, that's why yeah. it, it looks the way it does. Thank you for pointing that out. So no, I made myself sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, no, it. I just wanted to, you know, make sure. You oh know, yeah, I'm glad. That, like, yeah, glad you did. <laughs> All right, just real quick before we move off from talking about our 10-year anniversary, I just wanted to pinpoint the exact date when our first episode here or uh, was released because it was bugging me as we were talking about it. April 20th, 2012. That's when our first episode was published. So, wow. I was April 20th, 2011, right? 2012. 2012. So, that was right before uh, Dark Knight Rises came out, right? Oh, yep. That's kind of what our main focus and hype was on those first few episodes. <laughs> Just getting excited for the premiere of Dark Knight Rises. Because that, yeah. I believe it was episode eight, was our Dark Knight Rises review. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that soon. Or yeah, it was pretty early. That early. Yep. Yeah. It was episode eight. Wow. We come a long way, Tim. <laughs> yes, uh, good times, though. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> but something we weren't doing in that first year was minute-by-minute commentaries, because Dark Knight Rises wasn't even out on Blu-ray yet <laughs> for us to do the commentary. <laughs> And but we've made it past over that 10 years. We've done that long two hour and a half movie. So obviously, as you know, by now, we decided to go bigger with a three and a half hour movie (laughs) with the Fellowship of the Ring. And we are going to continue that on this episode by going from minute 25 to minute 26. So, yes, still a whole long ways to go for this one. Probably another 10 years as we talked about and joked about before we started the commentary for the Fellowship of the Ring of how long it will take to complete it. But. We're making progress. So, as always, if you want to grab your VHS copy, your Betamax copy, your Laserdisc copy, your DVD copy, HD DVD, your projector, your Blockbuster membership video card to go rent it, your Netflix physical media, your DVHS tape, and, as always, your VHS converted to DVD copy that you made on your PC. I think I had everything. It's been a while since uh, we uh, did our last episode with a commentary mentioning all those relevant media formats, but hopefully I had them all covered. But if you have all those ready, you want to go to the 25-minute mark, and I'll give the countdown. Dane, are you ready? Do you think if we started the uh, Lord of the Rings commentary back in 2012, do you think we'd be done by uh, by now? I would say yes. I would like to say 10 years would be enough time <laughs> to go through all that. Um, or or where do you think in the movie we would be? <laughs> like I said, hopefully like, at, 
Tiberian or credits. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find Definitely. out over the, yeah. over the course of the next decade. <laughs> Definitely out of this party scene, which yeah. has been going on for 25 episodes now. It feels like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Let's see if we make it through on this one because we're really close. <laughs> yeah. right, yes, I'll give, I am ready. I am I'll ready. Give, give the countdown. Three, two, one, play. Bilbo's takes the ring out of his pocket, hiding it. He looks nervous. I feel like I'm doing a play-by-play for a sports <laughs> <laughs> game right here, but. Bilbo announcing the end. But not the end of the movie, that's for sure. <laughs> Imagine if you're at this party and this happened and he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> the hobbits do like their festive party, so it had to be something that they'd never obviously seen before. <laughs> I mean, they love the fireworks yeah. and the amazing displays those shows. And what a way to cap it off by Bilbo disappearing. I'm sure making several hobbits happy. Like the Saxville Baggins is. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that ring flip he does right there. <laughs> like, yep, I did it. Now I'm off. You know what I realized? Um, or I should say, he, he, yeah, well, you know what I realized um, about this movie is that the, the ring changes sizes. It, it doesn't stay one size. Like, it'll form to, like, the person's hand, mm-hmm. and it'll get bigger. When somebody's holding it, it'll look more uh, distinct and ridged. Uh, Is it, throughout, are you talking about movies. more from like a technical size and how and how they filmed it, or just like the ring in general? How it, no, the, in the, the, the ring in the movie. Yeah, okay. the ring in the movie. Like it changes sizes. It becomes bigger, smaller. It'll fit around a you know a hobbit's finger, and it'll fit around uh, you know just a regular human's finger. Uh, so it changes sizes and it looks different. Um, it's, it, sometimes it looks smooth, sometimes it looks rich, sometimes you know, what have you, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought that was an interesting choice where, you know, like the the ring changes sizes and stuff to, and informs to whoever has possession of it. Yeah, that to be honest, I never really thought about it or noticed it too much, but it makes total sense for like you know obviously a magic ring and having different users. It's yeah. gonna have to change size to fit right. the person's ring who's doing it, who's wearing it. Yeah. See? Oh, I I knew something that Tim didn't about yeah, right. You noticed something wow. I never really never really thought of, but <laughs> to yeah. be honest, but you, you want to talk about monumental monumental episodes this is one of them too <laughs> right. mark we should mark one. this down yeah <laughs> 10 years after our first episode <laughs> dane just dumps tim on something yeah. that he's never thought about over the course of the 10 years of talking about this or doing this podcast because lord of the rings has come up in some of our conversations obviously before doing this commentary then <laughs> yeah <laughs> never really thought about it yeah i was just noticing that because like like what I can't remember which character had it in his. Oh, when um, when uh, what's his name? The guy in the beginning, the human, cuts off uh, Sauron's finger. Oh, Sildor. Sildor, and then he he crushes one of the fingers and then holds the ring in his hand. It looks giant. It looks like a really big ring, but then you see him wearing it, right, mm-hmm. or around his neck, and then 
uh, you see it on Bilbo and stuff. So, and you see it on Frodo. So like it changes sizes and especially in that first scene after he crushes the finger and like there's like the ash around it. Yeah. Of uh, Sauron's dead finger, <laughs> burnt <laughs> finger. <laughs> like it looks giant. Yeah. Oh, we learned something new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what these minute by minute commentaries are all about. Yeah. All right. So with that, I guess we can get into our feature topics, I guess, <laughs> if you want to use it in a plural sense, because we'll be doing some reviews for some pretty big releases. And I guess starting off first, I'll start with my review of the latest MCU movie, Doctor Strange and the Mirrors of Madness, as Dane likes to call it. So <laughs> aka multiverse of madness and dane i know you watch mcu movies later on when they hit disney plus have to catch your interest so do you mind if i just go full-blown spoilers in this one when i talk about it oh tim you know i was really looking forward to this movie and no i i really hope i mean no do not because i really wanted to see this movie now of course you can, Tim. Of course you can. I, I, I need mean, to believe like, a word of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I doubt I would. Look, I'm going to have a lot of questions for you, Tim, during this conversation because I'm sure everything gets mixed up. And for some reason, Spider-Man's in it. And for some reason, like, the the Avengers are in it. And um, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, no, she's a she's an Avenger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or uh, uh, Peggy Carter's in it for some reason, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm going to have a lot of questions. So, yeah, go ahead and spoil everything about this movie because, in general, like, it won't make sense to me unless... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, and I don't mean... I, I, I mean that I am stupid, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> You're just not fully invested as I am, so that's why. Not yeah, stupid. well... Tim, you know, just to kick this review off of uh, this Doctor Strange movie, I do have a question, not about this movie, but about the Spider-Man movie. No way okay. home. You know, they, they they brought back the lizard guy. They brought back uh, Jamie Foxx. Uh, they didn't bring back uh, Paul Giamatti. Uh, they brought back Willem Dafoe, of course, uh, and uh, Doc Ock. They brought him back. Alfred Molina. You know, I really liked the movie when it came out, and I gotta say, my opinion has changed on it. And do you oh, know why, no. Tim? No, I don't. I'm kind no of scared God. to find out. Macho Man Randy Savage oh. in the movie. <laughs> Spider-Man's first villain from the first Spider-Man movie. You know, I, I thought that Marvel and everybody at, at Sony and... Um, the directors and the writers and the cast cared about Spider-Man, but it's clear that they do not. You know, I think they should definitely have brought back Macho Man Randy Savage. I know that he is no longer with us, but neither was Peter Cushing. Right? True. Tim. True. Tim. True. So uh, how could they so be so disrespectful to him and not have brought back macho man randy savage how dare they 
Okay. So is it now your least favorite Spider-Man movie of all time? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> I've, 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 I've tossed this to the dustbin of history, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you tossed it away somewhere in the multiverse that no one can ever reach. Yeah. I've blocked it away in a, in a mirror of madness. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. Uh, I don't understand how they could disrespect the franchise so much by not bringing back Randy Savage. Macho Man, Randy Savage. I'm sorry you feel about that way, Dean, but I mean, <laughs> I gotta be honest, it was a great scene in the first Spider-Man movie, so I understand yeah. where you're coming from, so I well, guess I can't argue too much. Tim, to us true fans, true <laughs> fans, okay? Not you fake fans out there. <laughs> wow, Dean's calling everyone out now. <laughs> You would agree with me. You would agree with me that Spider-Man's first villain would be in this movie. <laughs> All right. this is, also, speaking of Spider-Man, I mean, how hard is it to believe that movie's 20 years old now? Just a few oh days ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like, uh, I feel so old. Right? If 10 years of doing this podcast didn't make you feel old, knowing Spider-Man is 20 years old, <laughs> that's going to do it. I remember me and my friends at the time uh, I, I was in middle school at the time and uh, of course didn't drive so me and my friends after school went and caught the bus to go to the movie theater to see it wow bus <laughs> yeah <laughs> we caught the city bus to go see it so yeah wow i feel old <laughs> yeah but from what a great time it was though i just remember being in the theater and just going man they're nailing everything of what i love about spider-man what makes his origin so great and one of the best ever um they just nailed it like i just couldn't believe they were getting everything right and just i just can't believe after wishing and hoping so long to see a live action spider-man and the fact that they nailed it so beautifully in that first movie i'll never forget that feeling of how i felt seeing that movie for the first time and just man it's crazy to think about back then how the superhero genre Movies were just getting started. This ready haven't hit their stride yet, but Spider-Man played a big part as far as where these movies are at now today. And it's not even imagining a team-up movie like an Avengers happening, let alone a movie like Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> Thinking back in 2002, how we would have three Spider-Mans three years later in different movies, and then they all come together for one awesome finale to a Spider-Man uh, film trilogy i mean it's just crazy to think about where we were 20 years ago and where we are right now i mean back then we thought it couldn't get any better than what we have with spider-man and then x-men two years earlier and but boy it's such a different time period but just so fun to be a part of still there and just be a part of that journey of how far superhero and comic book movies have become or have come over the last 20 years it's just awesome yeah. to be a part of yeah that's the thing too right like I know a lot, a lot of people don't like the Marvel movies or for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, let's say Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm sure there's people that do not like it. But and, and like, let's say I did it. I seriously didn't like it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, thinking back, that one movie or any of the Marvel movies, Thor Dark World, let's say, let's just pick that one. Right. Um, that would have blown, you know, middle school Dean's mind at the time, yeah. right? As I'm sure it would have blown 
middle uh, a middle school Tim's mind, right? So, yeah, like I, I you know, I get it that you know it, it, the, these movies might not be perfect, but you, you, you got to sort of think back to when you were a kid. Um, if, if you're in your 30s now, let's say. You got to think back to when you were a kid and how any one of these movies would have blown your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And just appreciate it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like, of course, like you said, you're not going to like every one of these movies, but just to obsess over not liking it and just kind of beating a dead horse over and over again is such not a great way to spend your time. (laughs) And like you said, knowing that, these movies are still for young fans too to get them into this genre and this these characters as well so it's not all going to be catered to you and your age group type thing so just things to keep in mind for when there's certain things you don't like and aspects of these comic book movies that you don't like so just kind of always good to have those reminders sometimes (laughs) if you don't like it move on to the next one because there's definitely going to be there's a lot to choose from in the comic book movie genre that's for sure you just shouldn't obsess over one thing that you just really dislike so much in my opinion, yeah. at least that's how, how how I try to do things. Yeah, I'm not gonna listen to you because they they disrespected all Spider-Man fans by not adding Ra- Macho Man Randy Savage into into No Way Home. So um, you could you can think what you want, Tim, but us true fans, we know what's up. <laughs> I guess I'm not a true fan then. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, Dana, I don't want to disappoint you, but he did not show up in the multiverse uh, either. So, just want to temper your expectations now before you see uh, it. Worst movie of the year. Now. <laughs> it's going to be the worst movie of the year. You know, <laughs> you want to bring in these these multiverses. Gotta have a Macho Man Randy Savage. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Dane has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of who was in the Multiverse of Madness, and as you'll probably figure out by now, spoiler warning, <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet. But um, So I guess overall, my general thoughts of Multiverse of Madness, I loved a lot about it, but also came away disappointed with it in certain areas as well. Um, mainly, I wish I, they went more into the multiverse aspect of it and that might sound strange because that's a big part of what the movie is but i just kind of felt it wasn't the main main focus like i thought it would be because uh, it kind of felt really i mean it's a central theme don't get me wrong but when you have multiverse of madness i was expecting like kind of crazy um multi several multiverse iterations of different characters and you got a little bit there were several about three different versions of Doctor Strange that we got, which was cool. But I'm, I guess I should say I was hoping for more multiverse hopping than what we got. Because it was really they were in their own universe and got transported into just one other universe where they spent most of the time. There was a montage where you see him, you see Doctor Strange and America Chavez, who her character was the one who was able to punch portals into any multi, any universe. Not by choice, but because she doesn't know how to control their powers yet. But it would just take them on a journey to a different universe. And we had this montage of both of them going through these different universes. You see them going through like a dinosaur world, an animated world, a world just made of paint. So all this different stuff. But it was just one quick sequence. And they spend most of their time only in 
one universe, which was the highlight of the movie. And I'll get into that. But I was hoping for more multiverse hopping where they spend a bit more time here or there in different universes, um, really diving into that madness aspect of the title. And I guess really also the multiverse having more of an impact of in the MCU because um, it really didn't. Um, and it's not necessarily not necessarily a bad thing yet, but I just think it'd be cool to kind of have it more seep through into the MCU where there's some a bit a bit more consequences of them diving into and tampering with the multiverse. Because you got a hint of that in Spider-Man No Way Home when almost all these Spider-Man villains broke into this universe. And I actually thought that was going to be the kind of the catalyst of the story for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where his actions in Spider-Man No Way Home kind of came back to haunt him in this movie and just, things just got way out of hand. But it actually really had nothing to do with the events of Multiverse of Madness because the movie starts off, we see a different universe, Doctor Strange, traveling with America Chavez and by this big monster creature. They're trying to get this Who um, is book. that, Tim? I'm sorry? Who is that? Who is that? Which, who are you talking about? Uh, America Shoppers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she's a fairly recent uh, comic book character. She, I believe like 2011. Oh. To be honest, I'm not really too familiar with her. I don't think I've really read any comics where she's in it. Uh, just kind of found out more about her through when she was announced to be in this movie and through this movie and understanding her powers. Um, so that's where the movie begins. They were kind of being chased by this monster in this area between space and time and multiverses. Uh, where they're trying to get this magical book and that doctor strange kind of betrays america chavez he goes because this creature is after her and her powers and it looks like they were not going to be successful in getting that book so doctor strange was going to kill her and take her powers so uh, the creature after them couldn't get it but that doctor strange ends up getting killed by that creature and then america chavez uh, transports herself into the main mcu universe because the only way she activates her powers is when she's really scared because she doesn't have control of it so when her life was in danger at that moment her powers kicked in and she was able to go into the main marvel universe and so over the course of the big first act of the movie we're trying to figure out who's after jessica or america chavez's powers and dr strange saves her from a really cool sequence in the beginning with shuma gorath uh, the creature who I've only known from the Marvel uh, versus Capcom games and Marvel versus Street Fighter, that green octopus a squid monster, um, who I never really played as much. But um, wait, what's also... that guy's name? Shuma. Shuma Gorath. Oh wow. Okay, so you remember? You know you who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what okay. you're talking about. <laughs> uh, wow, it's true. You really do learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> For years, for years, Tim, I, I had no idea. <laughs> but I'm glad to know now. Well, here's the <laughs> thing, though. I think there's some licensing or rights issue with that actual name, so they couldn't call him Shuma Gorath in the movie. They gave him another name. But it was definitely that oh. same character. <laughs> it oh, looked okay. exactly like him. It, it was cool seeing him on the big screen. Though. That was one of the cool action sequences in the movie. I love that. So, I wonder what the hang-up is. I wonder what the hang-up is, you know, like, yeah wouldn't marvel own that <laughs> i know like i don't like... know i don't know what i'm not sure where he's connected with because you know how obviously sony still has spider-man and universal still has like the rights to solo hulk movies so it's it's probably some weird 
tied up licensee issue <laughs> that makes no sense but yet somehow yeah. they can't say it, his name or whatever <laughs> it's weird right <laughs> so yes and the big thing leading up to this dr strange is talking to america chavez and she's explaining the situation and how she can't really trust this dr strange because the last one she tried working with almost killed her and so they're having trust issues and uh, she's asking do you have any multiverse experience or know about it and then he references the events of spider-man no way home but again it wasn't anything that set up the sequences in this movie and the events of this movie it's just kind of was there to show yeah dr strange has dabbled in the multiverse a little bit um but obviously we knew scarlet witch wanda maximoff was going to be a big character in this movie hey tim Wait, wait, uh, before you, sorry, I keep interrupting you, but this is how these conversations go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, still not used to that after 10 years of podcasting with you. So rude. (laughs) So let me ask before you get to the Scarlet Witch slash uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Is your problem with this Doctor Strange movie, uh, what they did with her, with Elizabeth Olsen? So you are aware of what they did with her in this one? No. Okay. I, I just saw it on Twitter. Yeah, I just saw it on Twitter, okay. and like I didn't know what happened there. Okay. I, a lot of people were mad, I guess, about mm-hmm. what they did to her. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, because I was just about to get into that. And mm-hmm. no, that is definitely not a reason why this movie didn't live up to expectations. Oh, really? Because no. this was actually one of the surprises in the movie that I thought was really cool and was not expecting, that Scarlet Witch was the villain in this movie. And I thought oh, that wow. was... A brilliant move. <laughs> I wow, really I didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah, Neither I did I. Because <laughs> if you watch the trailers, he's obviously going there for her help, and that's what he does originally. He wants to get her help, and yeah. I mean, the trailers show that you know they're kind of friendly conversations and all that. But it was just a really cool twist that I didn't see coming, and very early on too, because they're trying to figure out who's after America Chavez. Someone's summoning these monsters to go after you and they're trying to figure out who it is and when it's revealed that oh it's actually wanda herself doing it it was like oh like oh man (laughs) like i was not expecting that and going into it obviously in the trailers they didn't show who the main villain is they showed some monsters like shuma gorath but i knew there had to be a central villain that they're going to be facing or an antagonist in this movie and the fact that it was scarlet witch i thought was really cool because man elizabeth olsen she's such a great actress i mean she showed off her chops in wandavision showing all the different emotions and characteristics that for the different eras of TV characters that she played. And then just really diving into like the emotional core of Wanda and what she's been through and the loss that she suffered throughout her life. That all came to a full front and culminated into this performance of her being a villain in this movie. She was fantastic and just had a really great presence as being a villain who you were terrified of because she's fully embraced the persona of the Scarlet Witch that we saw at the end of WandaVision. And so the whole thrust of this movie... So people are mad that they changed her into a villain? See, I'm not sure. I haven't seen too much of people being upset, but I I know they're out there, so (laughs) I'm sure. Um, And if I'm... Let me just jump ahead a bit to the very Mm -hmm. end, because maybe this is what people are mad about. She ends up... Uh, I'm going to use air quotes here, killing herself because she realized that the power she using was dark and evil and didn't want anyone else to use it. And I was kind of feeling guilty for what she did. She ends up killing herself. So no one can use this power again. 
but I don't think she's dead. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's basically there's this temple because there was this book called The Dark Home where she was generating this dark magic power that she was using. And that book got destroyed. So she had to go to the source of that, of this like ancient temple. And it was actually a temple that I guess the previous Scarlet Witch created. So it's like pretty much her. She even calls it her throne. <laughs> and she destroys that and presumably kills herself. But with her powers that she had, it's going to take a lot more than some crumbling rocks for her to stay dead. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what people are mad about. But I, if it's because they think she's dead, I don't think. That's anything to be upset about because I highly doubt she's dead. Come on. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know she ain't dead. I mean, unless it's like some big contract dispute, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, the actor doesn't want to renew their contract or is done with the Marvel movies, you know, yeah. she'll be back. Don't worry. Elizabeth Olsen will be back. Exactly. Yeah. I don't so if that's the reason I don't think it's anything to worry about. But if it's is it because of her betrayal, then that's something I just totally would not agree with. Like I said, Elizabeth Olsen did a phenomenal job portraying Wanda in the state that she in, she is in. And what Scarlet Witch has gone kind of as I want I don't want to say full blown villain, but she has been like a antagonist in certain comic book stories. I mean, just look at House of M, where she went kind of went crazy and killed some Avengers and created the whole. A fake universe of the House of M, where things were where Magneto was in control of pretty much the world there, and using her powers to wipe out pretty much the whole mutant population just down. At, I believe that number was like 192, if I remember right. It's been a while since I read those, but she has played the role of villain before, so I totally did not think that was out of character. I just think it felt natural for this version of Wanda that we've seen progress throughout the movies and in her TV show. I just think it's She's she's been such a compelling character to watch throughout the course of the MCU, and I thought this was a great culmination of that. But at the same time, a little painful to see because you hate to see her character kind of fall from grace and go full on dark side here. So it was just a really cool twist I didn't see coming and just played out really nicely Um, as far as why she became evil. I hadn't even gone to that yet, but... um, Dane, you saw Yeah, sorry, Tim. <laughs> Let me interrupt you again before. Uh, Charlize Theron is in this movie? Yeah, I'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That's okay. Totally sorry, different. sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, what were you going to say? Sorry. So you saw all you of WandaVision, right? No, I oh, didn't. It. Okay. No, I, I, you know, I am not a fan of, this, of these Marvel movies as much as, you know, the uh, you, Tim, um, people like you. Um, I and I, uh, I just couldn't make it through, um, through okay. the f- third episode. I want to say second, third episode. Um, yeah. Okay. I didn't finish it. Yeah. Because I was, I don't know if you remember what happened at the end. Because you know she created this false family for herself with her kids. Um, right, right. That 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 was sort of like the the big over arc yeah. storyline, right? Yeah, and then yeah. when she kind of had to release everyone from her powers that she was holding everyone in Westview captive and just the fake illusions that she created of Vision and also of her two children obviously was a very traumatic experience for her because they weren't real and they had to just go away when she uh, released everyone from being con- in that town. And so that was the thrux of this movie where she just she felt so lost, so dis- Having to suffer another loss again, losing her parents, losing 
her brother Pietro, aka Quicksilver, losing vision, and now her children, even though they weren't real, they were real to her. And so the whole reason that it's revealed she was the one after America Chavez is because she wants to take her power to go through different multiverses and to be with her children because she has seen other universes and sees that her kids are real in these different multiverses and hers is the only one that doesn't have her children and that's just kind of i think pushes her over the deep end or at least plays a part of that and just the corruption of reading that dark home book is kind of what really made her uh, turn evil here and that's what she wants she wants to go to a multiverse and kind of take control of the get rid of the wanda in that universe and take control over being the main wanda maximoff in another universe to be with her kids um so it's based it's pretty much her motivation is just wanting to be a mother and having that experience and love for her children she it was just too much for her to lose and she wants to get that back and that pushes her toward the dark side and then um it leads to her attacking uh, uh like i can't remember talmahaj i believe the location of where all the other uh sorcerers and the masters of the mystic arts their whole location where they are they have to make this one final stand against wanda she tries to be in her exact words be reasonable with dr strange to hand over america chavez um and let her do what her thing but he wasn't just going to give her up that easily and that leads to a, her attacking uh their their fortress and just wiping a lot of them out and uh, eventually causing Doctor Strange and America Chavez to go into another universe to hide from Wanda. And that takes them into, like I said, that one big, that one other alternate universe, which was the main uh, spot of being in a different uh, universe in this movie. Um, and one thing, too, which I thought was a cool concept, and I'm not sure if Doctor Strange <laughs> probably isn't the first one to um, talk about or have this concept be in this universe, but the idea of the dreams you have of seeing yourself in different scenarios and circumstances, you're actually peeking into a different universe of yourself. I, I just think that was a cool concept because uh, Doctor Strange wakes up from a dream of what we saw in the very beginning of this other Doctor Strange uh, trying to kill America Chavez. You see Doctor Strange wake up from that and he associates it with a dream. But in fact, he's just looking into a, another universe with himself. And just the idea that whenever we dream... We're actually seeing ourselves in another universe. It's such a cool concept. And then Scarlet Witch plays takes that into advantage where she uses this technique called uh, dream walking, where she's able to possess her other self in another universe and take control of herself, her self's body that way and uh, still pursue America Chavez and Dr. Strain in this other universe. And that's what takes us to the big geek out moment <laughs> of this movie, where they showed... A little bit of the trailers and the commercials about Doctor Strange is going to see the Illuminati and they tease the voice of Patrick Stewart. So we knew Professor X was going to be in this. But what else I was excited about was just knowing who else was going to be or I should say not knowing who was going to be part of the Illuminati. Because I know several members from the comics and they are they contain members who do not or who have not showed up in the MCU just yet. So I was wondering, oh, are we going to get some big surprises here and it did not disappoint <laughs> so this is where like the big surprise spoiler stuff comes in where you don't want to find out <laughs> until you see the movie and so because they have to keep they take dr strange captive because um they feel he's a bigger threat than scarlet Witch is for what their version of dr strange 
had done. So uh, we get Baron Mordo, who is um, pretty much as Doctor Strange, one of his main antagonists besides Dormammu in the comics. And he, he was his uh, training or the one who trained him in Doc, the first Doctor Strange movie, but left the order. Um, so but in this universe, he's the head. He's the Sorcerer Supreme and a member of the Illuminati. And so when we get the reveal of the other members, first is Captain Carter, as you mentioned, Dane. And I found out after I saw the really? movie that. Yeah. Really, I just guessed. Really? Because I, I thought. Guessed. Yeah. I thought it was I had no you, idea. I thought it was because no. you saw the commercials because that was one of the reveals no. they gave throughout, which is disappointing because they should have saved all that stuff. I mean, Professor X was a big tease in itself, so I was kind of disappointed to learn after the fact that man, they actually showed her in the commercials. That's kind of yeah. a, a big spoiler that you want to save for the movie. But that's, that's how I, I thought you more. knew about it. No. No. Okay. I had no idea, zero, zero idea. I just picked a character that I thought <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be in the movie. So let me That's... guess, Dan. Let me guess. Okay, okay yes, let's hear it. <sighs> so you said Patrick Stewart's in it. Mm-hmm. I know Hugh Jackman is not in this movie. No, but I was, I was kind of yeah. hoping that maybe he would show up, but no, sadly, no Hugh Jackman. Another X Man. X-Men. Okay. D- don't say anything. Um, I'm going to say Cyclops is in it. And I'm also going to say... <sighs> okay. Um, uh, one of the Fantastic Four guys. Uh, and... One of the guys from the, the, those um, X-Men films that are not part of the uh, trilogy. So, yeah, that, that's going to be my stuff, my, my, my choices. Well, you got one of them right. <laughs> really? Which one? Yeah. The X-Men? X-Men? No, Professor X oh. was the only X-Men. Okay. So, Fantastic Four, then. Yep. And that's got really? probably the biggest cheer in my theater. <laughs> really? Yes. Was it from the that that Fantastic Four movie? No, that... it was it was Mr. Fantastic. Okay. Played by John Krasinski. What? Yeah. <laughs> when was he Mr. Fantastic? Just now. Or did I miss something? Really? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they casted him for a new set of movies or something? That's the thing. I don't know. It was, this was a total shock. They kept it a secret, a big surprise. Because he's been, like, the top list of many fan casts on, online. Like, I think so many people want him to play Mr. Fantastic. So Mr. Fantastic, yeah. It was kind of, a, I think, a nod to the fans to say, okay, like, we'll, we'll give this one to you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I was, I, I was thinking about the, the the old movies but i couldn't remember who was mr fantastic yeah. in those old movies and uh that 2000 whatever movie um and i couldn't remember who was mr fantastic in that <laughs> one but, uh wow john krasinski oh that's that's really interesting yeah it was cool like, i thought he did a really good job as playing mr fantastic he really had that reed richards persona i think he put, pulled it out very nicely he had a cool costume a cool updated fantastic four costume that looked classic but yet modern for a movie so it was just really cool i just finally seeing reed richards in an mcu in some capacity was just great (laughs) 
So uh, that that was a really cool surprise. I'm glad I didn't get spoiled on that. But oh, see, I'm Tim, not sure if Tim he's going to be. Yeah. Be, I was, I'm not sure if he's going to be the new yeah. Reed Richards for the next Fantastic Four movie because we know they are making a Fantastic Four movie, but it could be someone totally different because it is a different universe, and we know that not every character or character in the multiverse looks the same. Just look at the three different Spider-Mens in No Way Home. So. Uh, we could totally get a new, different Reed Richards, but if it is going to be John Krasinski, who's going to be Reed Richards in the MCU, I'm totally down for that after seeing him in this movie. I thought he did a great job for the little bit of time that he was in it. I am going to guess again. Not, I don't think you're going to get anyone else. <laughs> I'll be shocked if I've, you get the next ones who showed up. Hey, I've been on a roll, Tim. <sighs> you got two. Yeah, you got two of them. Because I just remembered the Marvel shows, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not talking about the ones on Disney Plus. Okay. I'm talking about the ones that they had on uh, regular TV. Okay. And I am going to say one of those people that I do not know anything <laughs> about. I haven't watched those shows. Um. It's might be now because Peggy Carter's in it. I was gonna say her granddaughter. Mm. Um, what's her name? Uh, uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, I don't know like a quote unquote superhero names like Agent Forty Seven, but yeah, we're not blanking on the, her name the, now. The the blonde one, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not gonna be her because she's related to Peggy Carter. We already have a Peggy Carter in this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like I don't, I don't I don't know the Marvel TV shows, so I'm gonna say just in general somebody from the Marvel TV shows because we got it. We got to get that connected to the MCU. Well, you know what, Dane? I'm gonna give you a point for that one because boom, technically I got you're right. It. <laughs> I got it. Wow, I am good at this. I am really good at this. A three for three, I'd say. You know, I'm batting. I'm batting one. <laughs> one zero. So yeah, that character. The other big one that we got was Black Bolt from the Inhumans. And no idea who that is. Yeah. Do you remember the Inhumans TV show that everybody panned and said it was like the worst, <laughs> like, like one of the worst Marvel productions ever? The MCU didn't do it. It wasn't oh Marvel Studios. God, yeah. It was ABC. So it was, technically it wasn't the MCU, but they tried to have it be connected to the MCU. But um, the reason I'm going to give you the point, Dane, is yeah. because I think the same actor who played Black Bolt in that series, they had him do it in the movie, too. But he looked. Uh, I see so much better because he was actually wearing his com- comic book costume, <laughs> which uh, yeah. looked cool seeing that on screen. And I- I'm not sure if you're familiar with Black Bolt's powers. Um, no idea. No okay. idea. Yeah. Pretty much Black Bolt, he can't talk because even the slightest whisper can cause massive destruction and just kill you in an instant. It just disintegrates. Really? It's like this wave of energy that just disintegrates you. So that's why he never speaks. So and- it's pretty much like Cyclops with his voice box. I guess you can make that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was cool to see him because he was a, a member of the Illuminati in the comics. So I was glad they had him included okay. in here. 
the only reason why I know about the Inhumans. Do you know? Do Do you know the reason why I know about in Inhumans? Um, is it because of Marvel's Agents of Shield? Because <laughs> they played a role in that? No, no. Uh, so it was shot in Hawaii. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I I just so happened to work across the across the lane from uh I I don't know if they. I don't know if they get every, uh, you know, movie and TV job, but they definitely do a lot. It, uh, it's it's a uh, it's a lighting company. They set up the light, the stage lighting, for like mm-hmm. concerts and stuff, and TV shows and movies. Like that. That's how I knew they were making a new Jurassic Park movie, was because they had the crew shirts on. Um, before anything was announced. And I've I seen I've seen the crew shirts for Inhumans, and that's how I knew gotcha. about the Inhuman show. That's the only that that's the, I have zero idea what the Inhumans are, um, or the TV show. But I know because I saw it on the crew shirt on the back of the T-shirt. <laughs> that's the only reason why I know what that is. That's probably for the best, not for the TV yeah. show, because like I said, it, it, was, it was awful. I only watched the first two well, episodes, and I did not get into it. It felt well, cheap. Well, that bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it was pretty bad. But cool to see him here in the movie. Also, they, that's why I knew they were making another Aquaman. Or, or <laughs> they, they had started filming another Aquaman, uh, because I saw the crew shirt. <laughs> Dane doesn't get his movie news from the internet. He just gets it from where they're filming Going in Hawaii. Outside. I just I just go outside of my work. I just look out the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then anyway. the, fi- the final member of the Illuminati was a different Captain Marvel. And this was the Maria Rambo version of Captain Marvel. And she was uh, Carol Danvers' Who's friend. Oh, Did you see Captain Marvel? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lashana Lynch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, she she's Captain Marvel now in this in this uh yep. movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is cool. Yeah. So they all you know are trying to vote what they're gonna do about Doctor Strange. Oh, I gotta say this before when Patrick Stewart made his entrance as Professor Xavier, it was so awesome to see him in the classic comic accurate even animated series accurate costume really? of just like a green suit and a classic iconic yellow hover chair. It oh yeah, awesome that's, that's what I was that. gonna ask. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you. Did he have his yellow wheelchair? Yes, he did. Oh, the coolest design thing uh, in the Marvel universe. <laughs> it looked great seeing it on screen. But to top yeah. it off, Dane, you know what made it even more awesome? When he what was, was making his entrance, they played the '90s animated series theme song. Really? As he was making his entrance. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Now I got to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I this is the highlight it. of the movie. It really was. <laughs> I, I got to see that one scene now. You've, uh, you've definitely given me incentive just for that one scene to <laughs> just to see the yellow, the yellow wheelchair yeah. and, and, uh, the music. Hear that music. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> glorious. <laughs> so yeah, as they're trying to decide what they want to do with, this Doctor Strange, Wanda ends up attacking their headquarters. And so Captain Marvel, Captain Carter, Reed Richards, they go out and Black Bolt go to confront Wanda. And she pretty much just takes them out pretty easily. Or at least two members. Um, 
Reed Richard just saying, you know, Black Bolt, oh, he could take you out by whispering with his mouth. And then Wanda goes, what mouth? And you see Black Bolt and he has like his lips are gone. His whole mouth is gone. He can't talk. And then all of a sudden you see his head explode <laughs> it just, and he just falls dead. And then she takes out Reed Richards by just disintegrating his body and stretching it out a bit. And he's gone. And then she has a pretty cool fight sequence with Captain Carter and Captain Marvel, which was pretty cool to see him duke it out. And then even Peggy Carter got to say the iconic Captain America line. I can do this all day, which is cool to hear. But eventually Wanda's powers are just too much for them to handle. And she takes them out as well. Um, but then it was also cool. We got to see a classic Charles Xavier mind battle where he enters Wanda's mind trying to free that universe's Wanda whose body she's taken over. But again, Wanda's power proves too much for Xavier. You just see kind of his head snap and he dies. I mean, it was sucks seeing all these characters die but at the same time. You kind of know why they did it. It's another universe. We don't know if these actors playing these characters are going to have a big role in the main MCU universe. So if this is their only appearance in a different universe, I guess that's why they felt they could take him out. But it's like disappointing to see, but also it made sense at the same time. But one thing I was kind of hoping for, and this is mainly just a fanboy nitpick where knowing this Charles Xavier in this universe, I was kind of hoping he'd recognize Wanda or at least kind of mention that, this universe is Wanda, that her father is Magneto, and just kind of established, like, you know, because he was trying to, and when they were in that uh, mind realm, he's trying to free that universe's Wanda from being trapped in rubble, and just kind of make mention of her father, as Magneto being her father, like, I don't know what he would say, but maybe something like, let me help you, you know, uh, you could trust me over your father, or I'm a friend of your father, now, something like that, but just to have a little wink uh, in that the, in this universe Wanda is the daughter of Magneto here because that's how I always remember and view the character her and PHO being the son and daughter of Magneto but we didn't get that again that's just a little fanboy nitpick but it would have been a cool opportunity to see that so yeah that was definitely the highlight of the movie it was just a geek out moment after geek out movie it's seeing these characters be established in the MCU albeit in a different universe but still seeing characters like Reed Richards and Charles Xavier interact with other Marvel characters that we never got to see before was just such a trip and it just makes me real excited to see when they actually join the MCU knowing just what a great job uh, Marvel Studios have done with them just in this quick sequence with their costumes and their look just being stuff we haven't got especially in the case of Charles Xavier like I said nailing the look of how he did in the animated series and in the comics it was just great to see so that was awesome and this is kind of where I feel the movie loses me a little bit, where um, the final, I guess, battle action sequence is a little anticlimactic for me, because, uh, like I said, this was a highlight here. And this is where I felt I wish it dived more into multiverse of madness instead of because this is where it goes into full blown like horror realm like genre for the sequence. And I'm not a big horror guy at all, so it wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, uh, definitely, I know that's kind of sam raimi's wheelhouse <laughs> and because he's in the horror movies he's done in the past so i was kind of expecting that but it's still uh not my favorite aspect of it and they kind of went full-blown with it as uh dr strange confronts another version of himself who um gets taken over or kind of becomes uh corrupted by the same book wanda is using the dark home in this universe and he has <laughs> oh, i gotta i gotta mention this this might have been one of the most ridiculous moments in the movie 
Doctor Strange has a musical battle with himself, <laughs> with his evil <laughs> self here. It was like at the okay. same time awesome, like ridiculous, stupid, and awesome at the same time. Because <laughs> so, hap- so he's fighting with like a guitar. No, here's what happens. Or he's like, facing his dark self, who's been corrupted by that book. They're having a battle. They think it's just going to be a battle with their magical powers. But Doctor Strange gets, like, he hits a piano. I guess was his magical energy. Hits the piano keys. And you see the actual musical notes come out as, like, magical energy. And okay. he's, like, flings them at the evil Doctor Strange. And it's making the musical notes. And then that other Doctor Strange uses drumbeat notes to hit and dr strange makes like a mute like a musical notebook that catches the notes and they make the actual sound i think i like to think this scene was directed by danny elfman himself because i know he did the music (laughs) in this movie it was just it was just weird it's strangely stupid and awesome at the same time (laughs) okay yeah fighting with musical notes yeah it was like i was not expecting that So our okay. universe, Doctor Strange, um, Wanda ends up getting her hand on America Chavez, and she's going to take her power. So Doctor Strange has to get back to hit, to the main MCU universe, and he has to do what Wanda was doing, you, using that forbidden technique, dreamwalking, take possession of another universe's Doctor Strange's body. But um, what happens is the Doctor Strange that got killed in the very beginning that his body got transported to the MCU universe. So Doctor Strange and Wong, they buried it, just leaving it in that main universe. So that's the only body Doctor Strange has to take over in order to have access and save America Chavez in his universe. So he pretty much becomes zombie Doctor Strange. And you just see this d- zombie <laughs> version of him uh, going, walking around, and then like these spirits and souls he takes control of to form his cape and to give him his abilities and that's where it goes on full-blown horror mode and just like these scary visuals and all that stuff again not my cup of tea so it wasn't my favorite action sequence um wasn't a big fan of it but i did like how what the whole thing with wanda got resolved and that is america chavez she tries she harnesses her power and she's able to control it and she's trying to teleport or send Wanda to trap her in another universe. Um, but Wanda's too strong for her. So she goes, instead of trying to defeat you, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. And she takes her to a universe where they're kids. But she's in full-blown Scarlet Witch mode with a costume. So when the kids see her, they freak out. And they just like, no, like you're not our mom. You're like, you're just a witch. And you see Wanda hurt. That universe is Wanda. And the kids are just freaking out. Like, you hurt our mom. Like, you're, you're just evil. You're a witch. And that just... Uh, sends shockwaves to our universe's Wanda and just realizes what she's done and everything she's trying to achieve to be a loving mother for her kids and have her kids love her, she can't do. She can't have that, by the way, by how far she's fallen and becoming this villain. And so that that just makes her realize she has to do away with this power and not do what she set out to do. And there's kind of a nice moment with her and that universe's Wanda. She, that other universes Wanda tells um, her that, you know, just know that these children will be loved, even though you'll never get to kind of experience that. And Wanda just, again, closes, or I guess America Chavez closes the portal to that universe and Wanda just returns to the main NCU universe. And that's where she sacrifices, or not sacrifices herself, but kills herself and destroys that dark power so no one else can use it again. But again, I don't think she's dead. So... 
that's kind of where the movie ends. Doctor Strange gets back. America Chavez takes Doctor Strange back into the main MCU universe, and she ends up training with him. And then the movie ends with the this whole thing where like the corruption of using that dark home. Uh, that uh, evil Doctor Strange got like a third eye, <laughs> and that ends up happening to the main Doctor Strange too. I'm not sure what that power is going to be. I think it's something that he has in the comics, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so that's where the movie ends with him like that third eye popping out of his forehead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's where my disappointment with the movie comes in is that there was real no like big consequence with the traveling the multiverse. It was just kind of one big cool fanboy moment, not really much else. And I really loved that, but I was. In a movie called The Multiverse and Madness, I was hoping there'd be more of an impact that going through the multiverse would have on the main MCU and just having it really be a cool, awesome, like trippy final battle throughout the multiverse. Like it's just a battle where they go through different ver- multiverses at the same time and maybe have quick appearances by different versions of these different Marvel characters. That would have made for a really, in my opinion, a better final action sequence than the horror one that we got Um in this movie so i just didn't think it lived up to its multiverse of madness potential when you think of that title because i would have loved it if it was like a a multiverse hopping type movie where they spend a little bit of time in different universes and then they kind of all come together for one big battle but we really didn't get that but at the core i really did like what they did with the character of wanda and just kind of the progression of her story and even dr strange too um he had a good relationship between uh, him and America Chavez, just seeing them become trust each other. Um, and then uh, also kind of him accepting where he is in life because he's kind of lamenting as far as losing the love of his life, not being there for her. She ends up marrying someone else. And yet he has to work with a different version of her in the multiverse um, and just kind of coming to terms to where he's at in his life and if he's happy or not. So some good character beats for him uh, as well. But so, yeah. A lot of cool stuff mixed in with some disappointment that I have kind of towards the end. I just felt the high the high point is when we get to that uh, Illuminati moment and it just kind of just doesn't quite get any better than that. It kind of takes a dip down, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah. And then you mentioned Charlize Theron and she just shows up in the end credit scene. And uh-huh. I forget her character's name because like, I'm not too familiar with... I haven't read too many Doctor Strange comics. Um, I believe her name is uh, Elika. Uh, I got to double check on that. But, um, but I'll look it up for you. But if she was in... She, Clea. Clea. Clea, that's what I don't know what I was thinking yeah. of Elika, but Clea is the name. But <laughs> totally off. <laughs> so um, she just comes out of another universe, the Dark Dimension, which is uh, the main villain in the first Doctor Strange movie, Dormammu. That's where his realm is. So she comes from there. And she, I found out that she is actually the niece of Dormammu. Um, and I know her and Doctor Strange like have a relationship in the comics. So she just kind of comes and recruits Doctor Strange to help her. Uh, I can't remember exactly what she says. But just basically, like, do you want to help me come into the dark dimension and, you know, stop whatever's happening? He's like, sure. And they just go into that portal, into that dark dimension. So um, setting up Doctor Strange 3. Um, so, yeah, I... Wasn't too familiar with her character. I kind of knew who it was when she showed up, but like knowing of that character, but not knowing too much <laughs> about um, what her role is going to be moving forward. So um, not the greatest end credit or mid credit scene, but 
I guess one, if you're a big fan of the Doctor Strange world, would get you excited for what's to come. Um, so yeah, I guess if I were to rate it, I would give it probably a three out of five. Like I said, a lot of cool stuff and geek out moments mixed in with some disappointment where I felt they could have gone in other directions when over the course of, towards the end of the movie. So, so you've talked about uh, uh, all of these these geek things or whatever, right, Tim? Mm. Uh, one thing you didn't talk about is Benedict Cumberbatch's accent, American <laughs> accent. <laughs> is he still like just flattening it out, sort of like this? Or is he like, does he add a little character to it? I think he does. Yeah, I never really had a problem with the uh. accent, American <laughs> accent, but um, I could, I, don't know, I really did enjoy his performance of this. Um, yeah. So I never really had a problem with him. So I can't say one way or another if it's like got any better because it was always been fine to me. So I wouldn't say oh, it's like really different, like because I really didn't notice much of a difference, but yeah. it's, it's that. In certain ways where he talked to certain characters so but i don't know yeah. I, i'll let you be the judge of that one when you see it <laughs> <laughs> i mean an actor who's famously british right uh-huh. benedict cumberbatch that doesn't sound american <laughs> <laughs> you know just make him british you know i don't know definitely wasn't one of my issues with the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't know uh benedict wong was british before yeah neither did i <laughs> uh, these movies <laughs> he's always a fun character too he doesn't have a big role but he's always fun when he's on yeah. screen <laughs> i love their dynamic that they have they should make a tv show with him you know, i've heard a like, lot of like, people say that and yeah. i would agree <laughs> i mean they're doing this multiverse thing now with spider-man Doctor Strange. Let's just do a. Is his name Wong in that? Yeah. In, in, yeah. So like, yeah. Just make a TV show called Wong, and you know that's his show. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tim, let me ask you. This is the really. This is uh, you know, a, a question I've been wanting to ask you for a while ever since the show premiered. Um, should I start watching Moon Knight or should I hold off on it or should I not watch it? Because is it a thing where you got to be familiar with the Moon Knight guy and like um, you got to know like the Marvel movie sort of thing or can I just go in cold? You should definitely watch Moon Knight for okay. the reasons you mentioned. Number one, do you have to know anything about Moon Knight? No, you don't, because I've never read a Moon Knight comic. I always known of the characters. I've read comics where he's in it. He's in video games. So I know yeah. the basic premise of the character, but I never read any of his like solo comics. And I got sucked into the series. And the second reason you mentioned, if you have to know the Marvel Universe, this is probably the only show that has pretty much no connection at all to the MCU. There's like no references to anything that happens wow. anywhere else, which actually okay. surprised me. <laughs> okay. This is sounding better. This is sounding better because and like, I, I really dug it. Oscar Isaac gives a great performance. It's different. Yeah. 
It's really great. The only thing I just didn't think the finale stuck the landing, mm. but it didn't. But it doesn't hurt the overall enjoyment of the show. I thought it was great. It's probably my third favorite of the uh, Disney Plus Marvel shows. I really, really dug it. Okay, yeah, because you know it, it's just one of those things like I gotta ask you before you know I, be, before I decide to watch it so that I don't I don't go into you know the show with uh, uh, being confused or whatever. Well, the, the, um, you probably will be confused in the first episode, but it's by design. They're just trying to set okay. up the, like the premise of the show, <laughs> and it will be a little confusing as you're watching it. Okay, yeah, because I was gonna say, you know, that 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 was my problem with uh, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Like, I I had no idea what was going on. So, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I highly yeah. recommend it. I I liked it a lot. Uh, final question about Moon Knight: Does Oscar Isaac pilot a spaceship? No, he doesn't. Oh God! Sad to say, <laughs> he as an actor, he is one of the greatest spaceship, uh, fake spaceship piloting guys. <laughs> I'd say, I, I really want him. To just do movies where he pilots spaceships because he's so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was Star Wars and then Dune, obviously. Yeah. Two. What were the other ones where he flight a spaceship? Those are the only two. Okay, <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> that's though, all right? you need. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need. So, uh, you know, as much as you praised Moon Knight just now, it's another mark against it. <laughs> well maybe you won't enjoy it as much but well he does fly in other ways i'll say that <laughs> okay good good anyway yeah sorry about that yeah. i just had to i just had to ask you about the movie oh, yeah I yeah i really enjoyed it okay all right so yeah that's my review of dr strange and the multiverse of madness and so with that we can get into our other big review which is one I've been dying to talk about since it came out, and I know Dane's going to be in the same boat. <laughs> and that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, Issue 5. The final issue of what's been an amazing TMNT event comic series. And you heard us review every issue and just how excited we were to, for the ending of this one. And it's finally here. But Dane, did it live up to the hype? We shall see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to keep you in suspense, right? Yes. So, yeah. but we got to have a rating scale for this one. We're reviewing a comic, ten year anniversary from our first episode, where we talked about our rating scale on that one. What should this one be? You think? Um, musical notes that <laughs> Doctor Strange fought Doctor Strange with. <laughs> I like it because it's so ridiculous <laughs> as what is it in the movie and. Also, how our first one was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. TMNT, The Last Ronin, Issue 5. Dane, I want to let you go first on this one because I want to save my thoughts for last. Okay. Uh-oh. Plus, I just talked a lot, too, with Doctor Strange. I need to breathe. <laughs> I don't know. You had me scared there, Tim. I was like, uh-oh, is, did Tim not like it as much as I did? Or... Now you're keeping me in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what a great comic! What a great comic series! They 
they st- uh, to to your to use your turn of phrase, Tim. They stuck the landing at the end. Let's just have a big giant fight scene where one guy fights the other guy, or the good guy fights the bad guy, and let's have that be the comic. And let's just spice it up a little bit with everything that was going on with Casey Jr. I I I thought I loved it in the beginning, and I knew I really, really loved it by the end. That dream sequence at the end, or what do you call that, Tim? Yeah, I call it more just the afterlife, really. A journey into the afterlife. afterlife. Right, the afterlife. That afterlife sequence at the end was... (laughs) It was the perfect ending for the the Barrage uh, Eastman Laird storyline. It's the perfect way to end it where the turtles are just the turtles, they're joking around, they're on a rooftop with Casey. I, <laughs> it, 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 it was perfect. And, um, you know, just everything leading up to that, where, you see, I'm like you, Tim, I forget uh, the, the, bad, the bad guy's name, um, Karai's son's name, Hiroto. Yeah, Oroko Hiroto. Yeah, Roku Hiroto. Uh, everything leading up to that, and seeing their battle, seeing how Mikey set up everything beforehand with yeah. all the explosions, and seeing them fight on the top of a skyscraper, falling to the ground, um, fighting in midair through the, <laughs> before they hit the ground, and they hit the ground, they're fighting and fighting and fighting, and then they get into like a, it, 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 it looks like a, a, a drainage ditch or something. And they're fighting there, and then Mikey gets the upper hand, and it's it's so simple, like it's it's so it, it's it's crazy how simple it is. Let's just have the two guys fight, and then they both die at the end. You know, like it's it's so simple and it's so perfect. And to add that sort of that afterlife sequence at the end with. Um, with all the turtles on the rooftop, it was it was such the the perfect ending to uh you know what I'm gonna say it the, the perfect storyline the the perfect storyline for the end of the Ninja Turtles uh for the end of any comic book series really um, so yeah that's that's my initial thoughts on it yeah I am gonna agree with everything you said and then some this comic. This is a special comic, a special comic series. It had everything. And um, I, I just want to get to the main aspect of the issue, why I loved it so much. I mean, it moved me in an emotional way that no other comic has done. And I wasn't expecting, to be honest. There, there was only one other comic that kind of got me a little choked up as I was reading it. That was uh, Superman uh, Earth One Volume 2. There's like such a great touching moment with Superman and his pet cat, how he saved the cat as as a kitten being attacked by raccoons and his other like his mother and his other kid like litter got killed. But Superman saved that last one and it grew up with Superman as a teenager throughout his life and just how uh, Superman took the cat as if the cat died of old age and took it to the moon. That was like their special spot and Superman 
buried it this cat on the moon and just the visuals on the artwork was so great and that got me choked up being <laughs> an animal lover a cat owner but that was the only comic where it kind of like actually got me like not necessarily crying but choked up a bit but this issue i was not expecting it but when we got to that afterlife dream sequence it makes like you know mikey died from his bike his fight with heroku or oroku hiroto but then you see his eyes this was like a black page like panel page you see his eyes open you see the turtles there and you know he's with his brothers reunited man i just for whatever reasons the emo- like mental emotional state i was in during that time that I was, I was reading that issue but man it just hit me as far as words i actually had my eyes were getting watery and almost had tears coming out of my eyes that's never happened to me reading a comic book before just if you read i mean even just explaining to it if you don't if you haven't read the issues you might not understand why it hit me that hard but just knowing this is just the brilliance of the storytelling throughout the five issues is what makes this moment so emotional is reading the five issues and what mikey's dealing with mentally with his brothers who are dead and but they are still with him as like those in his mind as like those spirits kind of arguing and fighting with him still like especially in the beginning of this issue where they're just flat out arguing like in a, a verbal fight with mikey and how he should handle this final fight and this the words that Raphael said to him like hurtful things uh that you know sometimes can happen with close family members and this mikey just screams this you know i want you guys gone forever like i don't want to talk to you ever again type thing so because it's in a sense he's fighting with his brothers but as well as himself because it's all in his head it was just that was such a powerful story beat brilliant one too throughout the course of these five issues those conversations mikey would have with uh his brothers in his mind just what type of state he was in and just how dark things got and mikey making the ultimate sacrifice as being the last turtle to go down in battle and to seeing them all reunited was just such a beautiful impactful moment that like i said hit me in a way i was not expecting and i think just shows the brilliance of this storytelling and i just think i just loved how it shows the strong brotherhood and sense of family that the turtles have and what makes any great turtle story so good and just why i love the franchise so much and something i don't think a lot of people recognize of what makes the turtles franchise so special isn't just a bunch of ninja turtles fighting cool fights who love pizza and make wisecracking jokes no it's that real emotional core that the turtles have with each other and that's a family with the other characters like splinter and casey and knowing that they're all dead now and under such terrible circumstances of betrayal of how they got killed and this the struggle mikey had to see them all reunited and just kind of in this afterlife back in new york where things are back to normal cracking jokes making fun of each other and this mikey just saying those final lines like i'm home or like it's good to be home or or it smells like home that's what it, it was and it was just uh <laughs> it just hit you right in the field it was just so well done i just cannot think of a better way as you said dane having a perfect ending to this story was just so so amazing and not only that like i i think it's also because you know it it is mikey right exactly like, yeah y- you you sort of have this image of mikey like the tmnt 2012 show right yep um, the goofball <laughs> the goofball right the guy that doesn't take anything seriously 
and he's always cracking jokes and being like this, this eternal optimist character, right? And then you have him here, and it's a totally different Mikey, and it's it's a Mikey that's seen a lot of things, a lot of things, and he, you know, overall this it's it's one hit after another after mm-hmm. another and it's so bad and it's so dark i guess you could say and at the end you have this one sort of scene that is like a ray of sunlight you know yeah. that's like oh my god finally you yeah. know you see all the turtles die you see splinter die you see uh casey die and then like <laughs> And then you have this this futuristic storyline, the current time storyline, where like everything is oppressed, and you see April living underground, and you see Casey Casey Jr. sort of like running this resistance cell, I guess you could say, uh, resistance group, and like it's it's so dark and it's so bad and it's so uh, depressing. And then you have this one scene at the end, and it's like, oh my god, thank you. You know, thank you for this. And it's, it's a total, it's a total relief, um, including, you know, probably the saddest moment, which is Mikey's death scene at the end, where, you know, he he knows he's not going to make it, and he gifts, you know, Spencer's book to um, Casey Jr. and you know she's going to use that, and, uh, you know. Do do whatever with it, and it's like uh, it's 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 a bright future, and it's it, it's a bright future for that 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 now storyline, and to have that you know afterlife storyline combined with it, it's like it's it was so perfect. Yeah, so brilliantly done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right there. With this, it makes it so emotional. Is that it's Mikey, like knowing yeah. that, like you said. Always like he's the heart of the turtle group, and I think especially in the IDW series. I know that's not necessarily in that continuity, but you just see how important he is to like being the heart amongst the turtles and their brothers, and to see him go down that kind of more dark path, that Ronin path in the story, and to see what he had to become, and then just to see him reunited and like happy again, it was just like at the same time the perfect sad and happy ending all into one. <laughs> type scenario and it was just like we mentioned so beautifully done yeah. i was not expecting that that's what made it so impactful and while reading it, it just really hit me <laughs> it just that sense <laughs> of that sense of brotherhood and family is like you just can't help but sometimes get emotional when you read stories like that that are told as well as this one was mm-hmm. and i can't wait i'm gonna wait for the trade to come out i'm gonna get the physical copy definitely and i just can't yeah. wait to read the whole series all together in one sitting because I think that's just going to be such a great um, ex- experience reading the story that way all in one. And I think it's going to be even more impactful when you read it all together as one long story. I I I still remember reading that first issue and being like, yeah, this is Raph. Uh, Raph is the the one that survived, of course. <laughs> and being surprised, like, oh my god, it's Mikey. Oh my. God, because I just started watching the um, the, the animated series. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, this makes you think, man, what the heck happened to make him <laughs> be yeah. like this and go down the path? And, and then you was, find out. Yeah, you really find out. And you like, definitely oh, understand God. why. 
like I said, one hit after another, yeah. after another, after another. Um, but yeah, it was the really, it, it really was the perfect ending. Yeah, and I love in the fight too. I would he paid homage to every other turtle when attacking Oroko Hirota with each one of their weapons, landing a, like a oh, crucial yeah. blow to him <laughs> with each of the turtles' weapons, and then finally going to the old reliable, the nunchucks, his weapons of choice to like, kind of really take it to Hiroto there. It was just again a cool fight sequence, but it still packs those emotional story beats that you were, you were hoping for too. Not this cool flashy action sequence, but knowing that. Mikey, this is so important to him to honor his family this one last time and get uh, justice for them as the last member of the Hamato family and just seeing him take him down with the weapons of his brothers, which is such an awesome touch as well. I love that. That's probably my favorite aspect of a, a very long fight <laughs> that they had with each other. Also, and, the uh, uh, also the art has been amazing yeah, on these books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and did did um uh who who did the uh the afterlife um uh sequence? Uh, you put me on the spot right here, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> did not one hundred percent remember it. Was that Eastman? That that had to have been. That's not really a style, though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was, Sorry, we can't remember or his name is doing that, but just know that your work was appreciated <laughs> and so <laughs> worth the weight of the delays. I know it took forever for this final issue to come out, but it was worth it without question. would rather wait um, a little bit longer and to have an, a, pretty much a masterpiece <laughs> TMT story, uh, both in how it was written, how it was drawn. Like it was so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like how everyone on Twitter was like, yeah, it's really, really coming out, you know, like all, all of the creative team. Yeah. Like, you could tell they're proud of it and have every right yeah. to be. <laughs> and you can't not talk about the epilogue sequence in it too, because <laughs> that mm. sets up some pretty big things. Yeah. As yeah. It's Casey and April. You kind of think they're the only ones. And, but we later find out because we know that there's been hints by, Tom Waltz, uh, Kevin Eastman, and IDW, how there might be more stories coming set in this universe. And I was thinking, oh, is it going to be... That kind of made me think, too, oh, Mikey might be surviving this story. And that's why I wasn't sure like, when he did die. I was like, oh, man. So it was still kind of a surprise when that happened. But the reason why it looks like these stories set in this universe might be continuing is that we see... Uh, it's like this makeshift turtle bowl hooked up to the machine that looks uh, that has connections to the ooze. And there's four turtle, baby turtles in there. <laughs> and Casey's kind of saying, like, come on, like, hurry up. Like, how much longer is it going to take for them to grow? And it looks like they're trying to not necessarily create new, uh, maybe they are, we don't know, like new Leonardo's, Donatello's, Michelangelo's, and Raphael's, but just new mutant turtles for them to. I guess be part of their family that they kind of have to start again. So that was definitely a surprise. I was, wasn't expecting how they they're trying to continue the Ninja Turtles legacy by creating four more turtles. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes, but it's, I'm glad it definitely doesn't look like this is the very last story we're going to set in this universe. It's probably the last story of 
the original turtles in this continuity, but I'm excited for whatever's to come basing just, you know, what an amazing job everyone involved did with this series. So I'm so glad um, it's more stories. They want to continue in this universe with more stories. I wonder if they're going to, I wonder if they're going to make another uh, Splinter too. I know. Are they just going to limit it to the turtles? <laughs> so they're really yeah. going to try to create the whole family. I know that just. Together, Hob. Yeah. Right. Uh, Hob, who's actually good, <laughs> who doesn't yeah. have the tragic background that he had. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, what's their motivation behind all this? Is it just, you know, wanting to honor the Let Turtles legacy to, to still continue that family? It's going to be interesting to see uh, the direction they're going to go with this. I mean, of course, they're going to make another uh, another book, I guess you could say, of the, of these futuristic turtles. Um. I, I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to make a futuristic turtle uh, book. I think so. Yeah, we might get like a new ongoing. Yeah, I just yeah. kind of, I pulled up the issue on my iPad right now. I just wanted to remember what, what was actually that final page. Yeah, I was like, they're in a, a clear sphere, a little turtle aquarium, and they are hooked up to a machine that has a TCRI canister in there. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you can do the math. And just Casey Jr. She just says, you know, hurry and grow up already. I got so much cool stuff to teach you. So it looks like she wants to be, you know, the master <laughs> to these new turtle students once they eventually grow up, taking what she learned from Mikey and Splinter's journal. So, I mean, that's just going to be awesome to see play out as well. So a lot of potential here in this universe, even though it was an ending. But it's, there's definitely, like I said, more great stories to tell, I think, in this universe. Yeah, which 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 brings us to the 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 ongoing. It's like okay, so like the the um the last Ronin is done. So like you you said there was going to be something big um with the ongoing uh, with Sophie Campbell. So what's that going to be? I know because there's I actually as we're recording this is that free comic book day issue that's supposed to kind of set up the next big event. Yeah, um, the Armageddon event, and I definitely got to read that to <laughs> get me more excited for this. And who knows if it's going to have maybe some connections to this or whatnot? Yeah, but man, I, as I'm just look, flipping through the pages again, oh, it's it's hitting me all over again just looking at it. I mean, just even April's reaction to Mikey's death as she just says goodbye, my sweet friend, and the reaction on her face, and you see Mikey's body just stand this how tragic it is seeing his dead body like that but then this the next page you see like that the flat line on that machine but then that beautiful like oh, man it looks so gorgeous the uh, sun rising and you see the turtles as mikey's like opening his eyes as you see the turtle silhouettes are becoming clearer uh, as he makes it like as the sun is rising <laughs> as mikey's waking up just such beautifully done man the layouts the art the coloring God, it's so perfect. <laughs> it's just so perfect. Going so contrast from this dark moment of the death of Mikey to this happy, uh, bright moment of him being reunited with his brothers again. So I can't say enough like, how awesome this is and just how great it is. It's another thing where you're like, oh, that's why it took so long. Mm -hmm. You know, the layout, the art, the, the coloring, <laughs> the story, of course, you know. Yeah. I mean what can we give it higher than fives? I mean, obviously yeah. <laughs> it's a five. I think it should be given it higher. Yeah, definitely a five for me. It's, uh, or sorry, five 
musical notes that Doctor <laughs> Strange fights Doctor Strange with. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I I guess my overall feeling about this this uh, fifth issue is that like what I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, what I really appreciate about it is like the simplicity of it. But I mean, like I said, like bad guy fights, good guy, good guy fights, bad guy. And a little sprinkling of the, the Casey, uh, Casey junior slash April storyline. But, you know, at the end it's, it's, it's a really simple, simple storyline, but it, it just packs an emotional punch that, you know, it's, it, it, it can't really be described. You, you have to read it to, to feel it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, like, if I try to explain it to you, it's just, okay. So we're, yeah, uh, we're not doing it justice. The so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the good guy fights the bad guy and uh, they both die and the legacy continues and there's a dream sequence at the end. You know, so like that, like that's yeah. That's pretty much it. it doesn't sound very good, but it's the emotional investment. Yeah, the uh, journey, the emotional, take, yeah. yeah, impact that really has the um, has the uh, the greatness. I guess you could say. Agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, just so awesome. I mean, I'm gonna give it. 10 out of 5 musical notes that Doctor Strange fought Doctor wow. Strange with. <laughs> That's how much I love it. Like I said, it booed me like no other comic has done before. And I was expecting a great issue and a great finale, but I wasn't expected to, to be this like emotionally affected by it by the end. And That's what really sets it apart amongst everyone, everything else and just really solidifies it as a masterpiece in comic book storytelling, in my opinion. So I know there were several people I know who are waiting for the story to finish to read the trade to read it and now that it has i can't wait for that to come out and for everyone to experience this story just as not even team and t like fans but just comic book fans i think it's just up there as one of the best comic book stories ever it's what's just fantastic so yeah i can't recommend it enough i can't praise it enough so yeah definitely go out and read it <laughs> it's your highest rating tim i think it is yeah so much deserved i mean i don't highest think rating there's going to be any mystery when we get to our year in review episode as far as what's going to be oh, the yeah. comic of the year <laughs> so yeah it's going to be really hard to beat that uh, it, it really, really yeah. yeah bravo to all involved like hats off to everyone it was just yep. a great experience and i guess with that that will be it for this episode but before we end and i kind of hate to end it on a bummer and a sad note but i feel oh. it's only right to pay tribute and kind of give our respects as we lost two comic book legends over the course of a week which is sad um you mentioned him in the beginning of our episode dane when we were talking about our first rating scale neil adams passed away last week at age 80 and then today as we're recording just before we started recording this episode we sadly lost george perez um to cancer which we knew he was been battling for a few months and it was sad to see and just to lose two comic book legends like that but at the same time just reflect and remember just the impact they had on the industry and for so many people and just for me as a young batman fan like neil adams 
his artwork is some of the first like comic book art I remember seeing and his design of Batman is like it really helped make me fall in love with Batman as a character and his cool design that he had. I mean, his his drawings for Batman are just so iconic and some of my fa- very first that I remember seeing. It's just he's, he's a legend. And then George Perez, too, um, just being part of some of the most iconic comics in history, the Teen Titans, Crisis on Infinite Earths. You know, the Marvel side of things, Infinity Gauntlet, just beautiful artwork and just even his artwork, too, because growing up or just first being exposed to comic books and superheroes, their art were some of the first I saw, like especially with I mentioned Neil Adams for Batman and George Perez kind of being some for more of the other characters in the DC universe who whose artwork is probably some of the first I've seen and just falling in love with, too. I just I also love just what a happy person George Perez was and just some of the interviews I see from him in these like comic book specials and some of the special features on some of the DC animated movies and just how much he loved the characters and just loved being involved with the other mediums that are uh, taking it or adapting some of the characters like the Titans and just how much he would love to talk about it. He just seemed like a very happy and positive uh, person to be around was who loved what he did. And same with Neil Adams, I know inspiring so many different comic book artists and just everyone saying what a great person he was and someone who kind of fought for the creative rights for comic book creators which is such an important thing now and which i know a lot of that a lot of the comic book creators who are getting credit and the recognition they deserve oh that's to neil adams so just sad to see the loss of these two iconic comic book legends over the course of the week but of course will be forever remembered and the the work that they did for uh, some of the most famous and recognizable characters across the world. And for them to be a part of that is uh, something that no one will ever forget. Yeah, there's few people that you can point to really where, uh, you know, you can you can sort of like say is, you know, that iconic image of Batman. I think Neil Adams is definitely one of those guys. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, sad day. Yeah, without question sad days so yeah um again they did an episode on a sad note but kind of let it go by without paying tribute to those two legends uh, for the genre we love so much so um with that that'll do it for this one it was good to be back and as always i'll throw it to you dane for the outro all right so go over to the batman universe at batmanuniverse.net facebook.com batman universe twitter handles at batman universe tim's twitter handle is at timg311 and my twitter handle is at dancers but i don't know rate, rate and review us on oh the show's twitter handle is at batfans podcast rate and review us on itunes and you can email the show at batfans at gmail.com so with that like we say at the end of every single episode tim we love each and every one of you with all of our 10 year old podcasting hearts <laughs> That's a <laughs> lot of years of love. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah.